Did you want me to play a little bit of it? Or we'll, we'll drop that in ourselves. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we we do that all uh, in post in post behind oh. the scenes. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're sneaky like that. But then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on Ray. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, thank you very much, uh, you guys, for uh, having me on. And uh, big shout out to uh, Matt, who's not here. Wait, who? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> I've already forgotten myself. Just kidding. We love Matt. <laughs> yes. Enjoy your time in Portland. Mm. Is that yes. Portland, Oregon? I believe so. Ah, it's supposed to be a magical place. The, the dream of the 90s is apparently still alive there. Yeah. I hope you visit some of the ports. Yeah. <laughs> yes, have a good time, Matt. Enjoy. And bring us nice stories of Portland. I've been to Portland, Maine, and uh, that was very nice as well. So clearly, most Portlands are uh, pretty hospitable. I've been to neither, actually. So, I mean, Portland, like, Oregon's higher on my list than Portland, Maine, but. Unfortunately, the, the farthest out uh, west that I've ever been in the United States has been Chicago, and that was many, many years ago, back in the 90s. I think the farthest west I've been is probably Nashville, which is not saying much. <laughs> next year, I'll, next year I'll be going to California for uh, for a wedding, so then that that'll be a nice thing. Excellent. Yeah, I've been to Los Angeles, and uh, once was enough, I think, for Los Angeles, especially since someone got into our rental car and took all my CDs. Oh man! Yeah, um, it took me. Almost eight years to get all that music back. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, because some of it was just MP3s of uh, rare, uh, you know, burned MP3s to CDs and had some fairly interesting, uh, hard to find stuff by King Missile. That, 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 would, that would just like drive me nuts. <laughs> and uh, at least I got to see uh, Mutato Muzaka, the, uh, well, at least the building, the, the studio that Mark Mothersbaugh has. Yeah, it's very green. The building. And should I introduce myself for everybody out there? Or yeah, I was about to say, why don't you introduce yourself? Because yeah, originally we had we were planning to have DJ Robert Drake, but there was a emergency fundraising drive at WXPN, and so his schedule, uh, which is already pretty tight, uh, got completely filled. So today we're joined by cartoonist Joe Meyer, and tell us all a little about yourself, I guess. Okay. Um, well, um, I'm also a self-proclaimed music geek. Uh, I've been a fan of music, well, pretty much from the word go. From you know, and um, hmm, where where do I start? Uh, well, as uh, Richard and uh, Richard uh, mentioned, I am a cartoonist. Uh, I've been cartooning for quite some time now. Graduated from uh, School of Visual Arts. In illustration slash cartooning in uh, 1990, I've been participating in the small press world pretty much since the mid 90s, and uh, I've self-published as well as uh, been published by a couple of different people. Uh, I was I had a collection of my comics published called Be Peculiar. Um, a collection of autobio strips called 365 Joe, also put out by Land Waster. And then um, I've been doing sort of self-publishing myself, which uh, I've done something called uh, In the Meantime, which is like a, just a small collection of autobio st stories collected together in one little small paperback book. And... Um, Last year, I put together my very first all-color comic book called Furry News TV, where um, I'm basically making fun of the fandom that I do participate in. I am a card-carrying member of the fur fandom, so uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> and I actually have a costume that uh, I sometimes will go to these conventions and run around it. Not as much as I did uh, last year. There was a, a convention was a couple of weeks ago in Pittsburgh That's uh, that I, I actually did pretty well with as far as my art is concerned. I was, it was more of a concentration on the art stuff. Um, what I've been doing lately, uh, I've been taking uh, used vinyl that I find at my local record store. Uh, big shout out to LooneyTunesCDs.com. Um, and getting whatever cheap ones that I get and drawing on them. Um, if you, let's see, I guess if you go to my Tumblr, I'll give that all information at the end of the show. Um, and I basically, I'll paint like people's characters on top of the records itself with using paint markers and ink. And, um, been doing pretty well with those. I've done like over, over 30 albums now. So, uh, wow. Pretty pretty productive with that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. neat stuff. Yeah, and uh, as also while while all this has been going on, I've worked uh, pretty much good twenty years in uh, independent record stores. Uh, the last being Looney Tunes and in West Babylon, New York. Um, and now that's I'm kind of done with the record store now because. There aren't any more record stores to work for anymore. <laughs> That's true. Unfortunately, unfortunately. I mean, Looney Tunes is still going strong and, you know, more power to them. But, you know, they just, you know, they had to, you know, cut corners a little bit. So uh, um, so now I'm doing, uh, I'm working as a sign artist at uh, Trader Joe's here on Long Island. And I'm kind of like the lead sign artist. And uh, I help... Uh, develop signs and displays for uh for the store so that's pretty cool so that's pretty much where i'm at musically i am all over the place uh, um it's the best place to be <laughs> exactly exactly uh, i say like mostly that i'm like a sucker for a good pop song but like probably the best way to describe it is that way back in the you know late 70s early 80s i used to listen to casey Kasem's american top 40. um i won't go into the whole there's god this is such a long story but i'm i'm trying to make this short so <laughs> the show doesn't go on for five hours oh don't worry the show never, is young yet <laughs> i never get asked on ever again because joe won't shut up um, I don't know if you've heard our other episodes, Joe, but uh, we go on for quite some time. We we can't shut up either. You're one of us. One of us. <laughs> well, with Casey Kasem's, Kasem's American Top Forty, uh, I became more fascinated with what was going on in positions twenty-one through forty, um, more than the top twenty. You know, it always fascinated me of like how songs would often appear, you know, in the, you know, lower thirties or whatever. And then, you know, they maybe stick around for a week and then like they drop off the very next week. And oftentimes I'd be fascinated with the songs that were, you know, that, that never made it to, you know, the top 20. And so like that kind of got that kind of like uh seasoned of how, like how I go about, you know, like the t my taste in music and stuff like that. I mean, from there on, you know, in college, you know, you, of course, everything you get turned on to so many different types of music. Um, and, you know, you'll find the, a very eclectic uh, collection in, in, in my collection, you know, like everything from, you know, straight up top 40 stuff, uh, Motown, Northern Soul. I'm a big fan of Northern Soul. Uh, I like adult industrial music i like you know hardcore punk every once in a while but like gosh uh, it, it it i'm all over the place it is kind of like the the short version <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you'll fit in just fine I around mean, here like eclectic you know like a, I, I think so too i'm a big fan of the whole case movement from from sampling bass music to mashups to like experimental stuff like like john oswald stuff with plunderphonics 
uh, Native Land stuff. And that was kind of like the whole gateway drug into the whole cut paste sort of thing. But like, I love mashups. I love Girl Talk. Girl Talk's probably one of my top five artists that I listen to, you know, on a regular basis. But um, yeah, that, that's pretty much uh, where where I stand musically and everything else. So uh, welcome everybody and uh, hello and out there and wee. <laughs> <laughs> We indeed. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, again, we're really glad to have you in, have you join us, and I'm really excited to uh, talk about your pick. Yeah, okay. since, since you're the guest, I think you should go first. Why not? Okay. Wow. Just cast him into the fire. Oh yeah. <laughs> I um okay. Well, my uh, night pick for everybody out there has been uh, Gossip's uh, Perfect uh, World which is from their new album, A Joyful Noise. Uninitiated uh, gossip or a, a three-person trio um, that features uh, Beth Ditto um, on vocals, and she's just got this amazing, powerful voice. And just, I've just always been uh, blown away by the power in her voice. And I've kind of been following their uh, their career pretty much. Pretty much, well, from the, the the first song that I heard from them, really, was uh, Standing in the Way of Control, which was this kind of um, punkish, indie sort of song with a, with a really killer groove to it. And then uh, Soul Wax uh, did this uh, astounding remix that really made me notice them a lot more. And um, at first, when I first heard Beth Ditto sing, I thought she was like, a black woman, which the opposite is true. She is a, a white woman. And um, this album that they've done recently, A Joyful Noise, is a, is kind of kind of on the same path, you know, from their roots. But I would say it's probably their most mainstream and more uh, most accessible. Um, it's very dancey. It's very like I would say maybe even top forty ish. But like always, um, they always have like this great groove going on with, with their music. And um, I think that's due to the fact of um, uh, Nathan, the uh, guy who plays uh, guitars and does all the keyboards and the programming and stuff like that. Um, you know, some people may, you know, make noise about the fact that um, they've gotten more mainstream and maybe they're trying to play to a wider audience and everything like that. But I don't know. Like I, I, I still enjoy their music, especially th this, uh, the song that I chose in for the pick, which is uh perfect world. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about it. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting. This is the first I've heard gossip, but I've heard, I've heard mm. of Beth Ditto. I, mm -hmm. I know, I knew the name and, uh, I remember putting that putting the album on the other day at work and mm. going, "Holy shit, this girl can sing!" Yes, yes. And she yeah. she also has like an EP of like some solo stuff, like about four songs, and that's a little bit more. I would say that's more dance oriented, but like with this album, it, it kind of you kind of go like, "Oh, okay, that makes perfect sense." Type of thing. I'm seeing where where they're at musically now. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely caught my attention. Um, it is very much pop music and it's the stylistically, it is slightly out of my, out of what I usually listen to, mm -hmm. but it definitely got me interested in more. Um, I was, he said there were a three piece and I was kind of surprised because it definitely sounds mm -hmm. like, I don't know if it's just production or, or what, but, there's a lot of stuff happening on these uh, on these songs, and I'm genuinely curious how they how they pull it off in a live setting. 
because yeah, this is... I, I actually haven't had a chance to, to see them live or even... I know that there's like a live concert like uh, that they've made uh, commercially available, so I don't know how they how they necessarily pull that off. I mean, in, in one of the first videos from them uh, standing in the way of control, they have like some guy... Um, with a mask on playing playing the bass or so so I don't know like how they go about doing that like in a, in a, I would I would imagine that they have like additional people join them on stage for uh, for their live performances but I'm a, I'm a sucker for really lush arrangements and um, and I'm also a sucker for really powerful female vocalists which is so this is definitely something I'm gonna have to uh, go back to and try to check out some more of their stuff. Um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what Andrew thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed this quite a bit. This is one of the um, I suppose it's somewhat rare, but uh, I enjoyed this uh, from the very first listen. And um, usually I use I have to spend more time with things to kind of wrap my head and my ears around them. Um, but I enjoyed this quite a bit uh, from the get go. I did enjoy some songs more than others, and she kind of well not she but the band the album. Um, sort of gave me a kind of like a hybrid between sort of a Fleetwood Mac-esque sort of sound and more of a pop uh, female vocalist sort of sound. So something like, like I really enjoyed Casualties of War, for example, but something like Get a Job to me sounded more, a little more radio-friendly pop female run-of-the-mill. So um, I did enjoy some songs more than others. But for the most part, I found it uh, to be quite enjoyable, and um, the first track in particular, "Melody Emergency," uh, grabbed me very nicely. Um, so that was uh, that was great. And again, I, I agree with you guys that she's a tremendous vocalist, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought I think it's a good pick. Yeah, um, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Fleetwood Mac, and uh, I had the I have a playlist where I put like all my mu- all my like latest acquisitions like yeah. in a nice little playlist and one of the songs came up and i don't know what it what it is from gossip i probably it's, um but like one of them i swear to god it could it sounded like it could be a fleetwood mac song and mm-hmm. it's funny that you mentioned that that like it, it's one of one of the songs i swear like you could hear like stevie Nicks singing it like and i'd be i i would i would be would not be surprised if stevie Nicks like on a subsequent album, if she ever does uh, more albums, you know, that she does a cover of this song, you know? Yeah. yeah it definitely seems like there's some influence. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's uh, conscious or not, but. Cool. Well, I'm you glad sold- you guys liked it. Yeah. yeah. You sold us. All right. <laughs> well done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, hmm. I'm going to let you go next, Dan. Uh, could, wait, did you... Who went... Oh, I don't know. First, you guys, <laughs> you guys graciously let me uh, let me go first, so... Yeah, guess prerogative. Um, um, I don't know. I really want to know what, what Andrew thought of mine, and I guess, I, I'm curious to know what you thought of my pick, too. So let's, let's, let's go into uh, X Models, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, my pick this week is the debut album uh, by the sadly defunct uh, New York no-wave post-punk uh, band X Models. And I discovered X Models my first year of college when going to school in New York, I went to see the Japanese noise rock band Melt Banana. Oh, wow. Yeah, at the, knitting, at the sadly defunct Knitting Factory in Manhattan. They're now in Brooklyn. Um, and there were two opening bands that night. One was Parts and Labor, who came out on stage. I will never forget how they started their show. They had a, 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 a bar stool on the stage with the walkie-talkie on top, put, you know, facing a microphone. Mm-hmm. And when the show started, all this weird noise started coming out of the walkie-talkie. And the band walked through the crowd, the front man holding a RC car remote control, manipulating that, and that was controlling the sound coming out of the walkie-talkie. But they're not the band I'm talking about today. (laughs) X Models were the uh, second band, and they just proceeded to absolutely really blow my mind with some really high-energy 
post punk new wa- uh, no wave rock. Um, mm-hmm. This is a song. Uh, the song I picked, uh, I think, best represents the album is called "Girlfriend Is Worse." Mm-hmm. It's just a small reference to a another band's work. <laughs> Quite. And, and so let's uh, hear a little bit of that now. I really like this stuff. It's, um, it's a really intense record. It's only what twenty three minutes. Uh, it's brief. Minutes. Yeah. yeah, and the song I picked is only a minute long, and it's all incredible. All of it except for the last song is like stupidly high tempo. Mm-hmm. And there's it. It's complicated. There's a lot happening with just the uh, this four piece. A lot of. T- really serious core changes, a lot of really intense things happening, and it's, uh, I'm, I, I love it. I I have their entire discography, and I'm really sad that they, they sort of uh, fell apart, because uh, their their later stuff showed they're really going, taking it some interesting directions, but, well, we'll see what, you know, if that happens, I guess. So, whoever wants to, uh, to go first, because I know this is going to be, uh, this was harsh. This was kind of harsh. <laughs> Um, I had a hard time with the record and I only uh, gave it like two listens uh, so I probably need to spend some more time with it but I like I feel like I should like it because it is kind of quirky and out there and pretty weird and stuff and um, it seems like there's quite a bit of Talking Heads influence uh, vocally as well as the album art seems very Talking Heads-esque mm-hmm. to me and um, you know Girlfriend is worse obviously Uh <laughs> But while I was listening to it, it all kind of beca- – probably because the songs are so short and they kind of, you know, um, just flow from one to an, one to the next. It, it, didn't, uh, it didn't stick too well with me. It kind of like every song was kind of, uh, kind of jarring and dissonant, I guess, would be uh, a good way to put it. And I think I've never heard of n- No Wave or Post Hardcore before. <laughs> so uh, – but yeah, I had a I had a difficult time with it. So um, maybe Joe can can elucidate <laughs> this album. Um, well, with the the one or two listens that I, that I I've given it, um, I mean, I didn't like I did like the song. The girlfriend is worse. And that seemed to be the the, the more uh, accessible song on the album, at, at least from what I perceived. You know, like I listened to I listened to girlfriend is worse a couple of times, and um, it, it's going to need a little bit more uh, listening to, I think. I mean, it's it's not something that's that's grabbed me immediately. I mean, I hadn't known anything about the, uh, the group. I'd assumed for some reason that it was like some kind of punk band from the '80s before I even listened to it. Yeah. There you go with my <laughs> my perception, but like. Um, yeah, it, it it's it's something that I do want to like listen listen to a little bit more. Give it a you know, give it some more play. Maybe even put it on my uh, my what call it my new playlist. You know, see you know and see if you know while it comes up on random and see if I'll listen actually listen to the song or if I'll be like oh, next song next song next song. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but I I did like what I heard. You know. So it, it, I'm, my interest is, you know, is like, like, oh, okay, well, let's give this a shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, a casual listen. Like with the gossip album, you know, I put it on in the car and I was like, you know, rocking out yeah. pretty, you know, immediately. Whereas, and even I'm listening to Girlfriend is Worse now, not that the listeners can hear it, but mm-hmm. like I'm, I enjoy the music and I think that the vocals, even though they are David Byrne esque, and mm-hmm. obviously I'm a big fan of Talking Heads, but, um, they're just so kind of jarring and yeah. uh, and complicated, yeah. and it's all like blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and it mm-hmm. kind of uh, kind of grates on me a little bit. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they definitely do wear their influences on their sleeve. Um, there's a song on their second album called Sex Onomata, mm. which um, the lyrics are very much an homage to Kraftwerk's showroom dummies. Mm. Though it sounds nothing like Kraftwerk. <laughs> it's, yeah. The the second I actually deliber, deliberated on 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 you picking the second album instead of the first album, but yeah, that's the, the second album is very much like the first album, uh, only more so. So ah. I figured I figured I'd go I figured I'd go for the slightly more gentle introduction. Yeah, and I'm glad I did because uh, if if this is the reaction I'm getting, <laughs> and justifiably, I'm not gonna I'm not criticizing mm-hmm. here. If I'd picked um, Zoo Psychology, their second album. Uh, you'd be coming at me with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> yeah, Richard, you, are you a? Uh, <laughs> do you know anything about this No Wave? Because I've never heard of No Wave before. Do you know? Can you explain a little bit about that? What that is? Otherwise, I can kind of give some highlights from the Wikipedia article here. Okay. Yeah, No Wave is uh, it's another offshoot of post punk music, um, mm-hmm. which in post punk is one of those wonderfully nebulous genres because it encompasses things uh, as diverse as Talking Heads, at least, you know, the first few Talking Heads albums. Right. Uh, Devo's early records are considered post-punk. Okay. Joy Division, early New Order. Um, okay. Uh, Television, which is another uh, band I wanted to pick for an upcoming episode. Because I, I can guarantee, Andrew, you would really appreciate television. Good, looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, and No Wave is an offshoot of that, which is a lot more harsh, dissonant, fast. The the canonical introduction to No Wave Music is a compilation, I don't remember what year it came out, uh, so I'm going to check, called No New York, which was produced by the great Brian Eno. Mm. And I'm checking on that now, and it's, it's a... Uh, was I believe a two LP set with uh, four four different bands. Uh, here we go: uh, the Contortions, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks, Mars, and DNA. I uh, know it came out in seven. It came out in seventy eight. Hmm. So yeah, and it's a lot of not nearly quite as fast as X Models. Uh, the uh, there are songs on the songs on here are, are usually all around two to three minutes instead of the minute and a half or so from the X Models album. <laughs> but it, it's all about uh, dissonance, harshness, rapid chord changes, and fast tempos, and really and and sometimes really nasty subject matter too. Hmm. It's less about musical ability and more about just emotion, tone, and energy. harshness yeah. and energy. Yeah. Just rawness and just blurring everything out, let everything out in the open. Just like, take a look at this. <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks was the band uh, fronted by Lydia Lunch, who, if remember, yeah. I don't. She never considered herself a musician. In fact, but here she is at a band. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that sounds. That sounds more. That description that you just gave sounds indicative of the X Models sound. And I'm just kind of glancing over the Wikipedia article here, and it says that No Wave is not a clearly definable definable musical genre with consistent features. Um, they draw on disparate styles such as funk, jazz, blues, punk rock, avant-garde, and experimental. There are, however, some elements common to most No Wave music, such as abrasive atonal sounds, repetitive driving rhythms, and a tendency to emphasize musical texture over melody. And that... Um, you know, as I was reading that, that sounds exactly like, I guess, what my reaction to the X Models record was. Yeah. Um, also, in a humorous note, in the little sidebar over here in the New Wave Wikipedia article, it says stylistic origins, punk rock, avant-garde, cultural origins, 1970s, New York City, typical instruments, guitar, bass, drums, keyboard, saxophone, mainstream popularity, none. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, this is. I think this is pretty out there, even you know, by my standards, by all of our standards, because I think we listen to some pretty out there stuff. But um, good to know it exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, happy to share. So, yeah, let's uh, let's do something that's completely different than all of that. And yes. your pick, Andrew. Yeah. So this is my uh, first single song 
pick uh, on the show. And it's a song by Neil Diamond called Solitary Man. And uh, we'll just play that for you guys now. But I do. So the reason I picked this song, I'm not a Neil Diamond fan by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, I know he sings Sweet Caroline, which is a song that they play constantly, at, constantly and right, at, at my job. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a Red Sox thing. Right. Oh. And um, <laughs> I saw Dave Matthews band play Fenway Park in 2006 and they did Sweet Caroline as the seventh song for like the seventh inning stretch. And it was a good performance. Um but yeah, so I'm not a huge Neil Diamond fan. I know, I think he was featured in that movie Saving Silverman, was that it? With Jack Black and uh, the guy from American Pie. And I don't know. Not Never saw it. Yeah, don't bother. Um, I think Amanda Peet was a crazy girlfriend in that movie. But so anyway, so the, the way I, as is often the case, is I kind of discovered new music through the music that I already know about. So um, musicians doing covers or musicians guesting with other musicians and I kind of, kind of spider webs from there. And uh, and uh, I've discovered this song through a cover by John Roderick, uh, whom we're all big fans of on this show, of The Long Winters. And in, I guess it was earlier this year, but what is the website? Mm, three Imaginary Girls, and I'm sure you saw this, Rich, but on threeimaginarygirls.com, um, they did a sort of a film, a series of short films, short videos of John Roderick doing a, a series of acoustic performances in... Uh, somebody's living room and uh, Adam Pranica, Pranica uh, who's the filmmaker at Dorosia Films and a true indie rock enthusiast um, recorded these uh, some of these performances and put them up on the website and the uh, the links to the videos will be in the show notes but so John did uh, first of all how awesome would it be to invite John Roderick to your house and have him do songs in your living room but um, he did a couple of covers as well and one of them was Solitary Man and he explained a little bit about it and um and uh, and he played a awesome rendition that I loved, and so I went and checked out the original, and I ended up really enjoying that song as well. And like I said, I'm not a huge Neil Diamond fan by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I love the song. I think it's a great song. Um, not a, a tremendous folk listener either, um, but I enjoy this song quite a bit. And I think one of the interesting things that really made it stick with me is something that Adam, the filmmaker, said uh, in sort of the the commentary for the John Roderick performance. He said that cover songs make great disguises. While everyone is distracted with the novelty, it's easy to miss when a song is expressing a deeper truth about the performer through a lyric by somebody else. And um, I just think that totally resonates with me um, knowing, you know, not that I know him personally, but knowing what I do know about John Roderick, it makes sense that he, um, being kind of a, a loner, and I just watched a, uh, a 2006 interview with him where he kind of talked about being a loner and, and um, relationships and how that affects him, affects him and things like that. Um, but I just thought it was an interesting take on cover songs that I had never um, thought about before, that somebody else's music um, obviously can resonate you, but resonate with you so strongly. But uh, it also kind of reflects when you see somebody else cover a song that they admire. It kind of illuminates a little bit how, uh, a little bit more insight into the person that they are. Uh, for wanting to cover this song that clearly connects with them. So what were your thoughts? Okay. Um, well, first of all, I haven't seen the videos you mentioned. So, <laughs> Oh, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm... Pause the show. Watch them right now. <laughs> I can't, but uh, <laughs> I promise I will. Oh, they're so good. They're really great. I'm not a, a filmmaker by any means. I'm not really anything, according to this podcast, by, by uh, any stretch of the imagination. But these films, these little videos are very well done, and uh, they're on Vimeo. And I think they're on YouTube, too. Um, but they're just great acoustic performances, very intimate and cozy. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, and uh, I would definitely love to hear Roderick do his take on uh, on uh, Solitary Man. It's, it's an interesting song, um, just from... I'm not a huge Neil Diamond fan as well. He's a great songwriter. Uh, you know, you can certainly play his instruments well, but some of his uh, he his work is better done in other hands. I think. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, 
So I'm actually going to look up the lyrics right now just so I have them for reference while I'm here. Um, oh, wow, Johnny Cash did a cover. Yes, yeah, uh, he did. Actually, that's that's how I knew the song. Uh, I, I, knew the, I knew the song before because of uh, the, the cover that uh, Johnny Cash does on one of his uh, American albums, more his more recent albums. And I was like, oh, Solitary Man. So I guess Neil Diamond wrote this one, too. <laughs> Neil Diamond has a knack for writing really good songs. And, uh, I mean, my, my feeling towards Neil Diamond can be anywhere from, like, you know, like, oh, wow, that's that's a pretty cool song to, like, oh, God, not this song again. Yeah. You know, like, he, he, he tends to get a little schmaltzy, you know, with, with some of his stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, and he just, you know, just like, kind of like, uh... I mean, like the you know on this compilation that that you've shared uh, has uh, Cracklin' Rosie, which I think is hysterical since he's equating basically uh, his he's declaring his love for a bottle of wine by calling it Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, he also has another song about about wine, you know, red red wine, which uh, has been covered by UB40, and and but yeah, so <laughs> just. I mean, like he has good points and he has like bad points as well too. But like, I I did enjoy uh, the original version of Solitary Man since I did not know that he did the original version of it. Yeah. But again, I'm not surprised. You know, he also wrote "Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon" and "I'm a Believer" and you know songs like that. So like, I mean, I like some of his old songs. Like, uh, I was surprised that. That some of the older songs from him aren't on this compilation, but I guess you know t uh, space and all that. Yeah, yeah, he's certainly a a tremendous you know songwriter. Not completely, not very much in up my alley, uh, mm. except for you know a few select tracks. Sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. Something about this song just kind of clicks with me. It's kind of the mm. uh, the core. I guess it's the chorus is kind of you know very uplifting, but at the same time, the it's kind of dark you know despite yeah. being you know a two and a half minute two two minute 45 second uh sort of folk song and mm -hmm. i i tend to think when i think of neil diamond i tend to think of like the shiny the really shiny shirts yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh so this I mean, that's what we all grew up with you know yeah. like you know ba back in the 80s you know it was like you know uh, the songs of like you know we didn't he you know we had heard like you know sweet caroline and maybe crackling rosie uh but like the songs that we really heard were like you know the love on the uh, love on the rocks you know forever in blue jeans you don't bring me flowers you know it was only when we got older that we got um, more familiar with his work you know with you know um, urge overkill doing girl you'll be a woman soon um, finding out that he wrote the song for the for the monkeys I'm a believer you know uh, red red wine. And then, you know, then, you know, of course, like, you know, when you delve in a little bit deeper, he's, he's got some, like, he's got some good material in there. You just kind of have to, like, kind of have to pick away at, like, all the, the crazy, you know, coming to America. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the little soliloquy that he does in the, in the, in the middle of the song, it's just like, oh, God, where's the, where's the next forward fast forward button <laughs> yeah i think i have a, a stigma that he's kind of a his folk folkish countryside and it's kind of just there's not much i mean obviously tremendous songwriter but there isn't much um depth for me and i think that that's what helps me uh, enjoy solitary man is that it's a little bit darker and even though it is primarily you know acoustic guitar and it's got some horns in there but it's it's got a little bit of a darker feel to it which i really enjoy yeah which is yeah, actually the, the song I really liked on the compilation you gave was uh, the last one, Hell Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you gave it a listen, but I think that I don't. I think it's, it sounds like it's a newer song than most of the stuff on the record. Because I, I do know that he actually wound up doing um, an album recently. I think produced by Rick Rubin in the same sort of sort of like uh, way that Johnny Cash had done uh, those last five albums that he did. Huh. I just. I remember hearing it a, a couple of times and being like, "Oh, well, this is like a, a nice departure for him." But like, I don't, I don't really remember the the album all that very well. It might, it might garner like uh, looking it up and uh, taking a listen again. 
Yeah. The compilation we're talking about is the very best of Neil Diamond, the original studio recordings uh, for the record. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, but yeah looking I don't at, looking I it don't, up on uh, Wikipedia. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I just don't um, you know, you mentioned you guys have both mentioned other songs on the album and I haven't really listened to any. I just put the whole compilation um in there for you guys to to share, but other other than Sweet Caroline and uh Solitary Man, you know, I I'm sure I've heard uh a bunch of them in passing, but I couldn't tell you how any of them go. Mm. Yeah, hell yeah, he's on the song, the album 12 songs from 2005. So yeah, my suspicions are right. That was produced by Rick Rubin. Mm. Oh, and okay. apparently, oh, there's a bonus track on that one with uh, Brian Wilson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Love a good ev- bonus every- track. And everybody needs to love Brian Wilson. <laughs> you know, I haven't uh, gotten into the Brian Wilson, and uh, I feel like no. he's the he's the uh, the bass player for the Beach Boys, right? Was the bass player for the Beach Boys. Well, he's still yeah, alive. But, but he's also the, the songwriter. Right. Yeah, he's like the, the main, good songwriter. The guy. Um, it's like kind of like the almost, well... Before he lost his mind, he was kind of like the 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 idea guy, you know, the guy mm-hmm. who kind of like had all these arrangements going on, going on, and it, it was a lot of it was a lot of his like uh, his brainstorming and right. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. Uh, I remember way years back when Smile came out, he was on the cover of Bass Player magazine, and I remember um, meaning to check it out. Uh, but I haven't yet. I had a, my girlfriend in college was a big Beach Boy aficionado, being from California. Uh, and the Beach Boys are kind of a, similar to Neil Diamond, is that a lot of times I feel like there's not as much depth as I prefer in the music that I listen to. Um, you know, what do you got, like Little Deuce Coop and things like that. Uh, but I also think there are some, you know, tracks here and there, like Good Vibrations tends to be a little bit more psychedelic and have a little bit more to it. Than just you know a quick two minute uh, yeah pop song. You need to really sit down and listen to the album Pet Sounds. I have it. I've had it for years. Um, what songs are okay. on there? Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know how yeah, all these pet- songs go. Yeah, that's where you should start, and then go on and either do. I don't care if you do the the new released Beach Boys Smile or the Brian Wilson Smile. Mm-hmm. But you know those are both amazing records. Just yeah. So is Smile a, a Beach Boys record, or what's the history behind that? It was originally supposed to be um, an album from from the Beach Boys, but I think what had happened, I don't know what the whole story was, but the, the album got scrapped, and what uh, eventually became Pet Sounds was like the remnants of Smile. I see. And, um, and then Brian Wilson decided, you know, what, what's to prevent me doing a, a version of what Smile was supposed to sound like? So he, I think he recorded a new new version of Smile in its entirety of the way it was supposed to be with new musicians and everything. And then I think then Capitol decided in their infinite wisdom to, you know, to release the Pet Sounds. Hmm. Well, Pet Sounds was its own. Actually, Pet Sounds was actually its own album. Smile was the follow up. Oh, smile was the follow-up. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, but other than that, you're pretty much right. The uh, the remnants of smile came out as the album Smiley Smile. Oh, Smiley Smile. That's right. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> and yeah. So when Brian Wilson got himself back together in the uh, early 2000s, uh, he decided to finally go and record the album as it was supposed to be, and the Smile Sessions just came out last year. That's the uh, version with that's that's the original recordings that they just basically finally they decided to try and put it back together from what they had recorded in the sessions and there's a lot of sessions matt's Mm -hmm. got the there's the matt's got the stupidly huge gigantic edition of the smile sessions which has oh god uh five oh five discs of material of not just the album well, hmm. four discs that are not the album. One disc gets the album and some bonus material, and four other discs of just session take session tracks, including one devoted entirely to good vibrations, hmm. which is pretty wild. Maybe more Beach Boys than I, I care to handle. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I just have the I have like the two disc Smile edition. Yeah, yeah. I just remember uh, the Beach Boys always being referenced on Full House. 
because my <laughs> uncle Jesse was a big Beach Boys fan, as I recall. Oh, thank you. I thought I blocked that show out of my memory. Darn you. <laughs> it's really bad. Like, I've seen it. Like, you would think it does not age well. Like, it's very, very cheesy in retrospect. I don't love it. You know what I do love, though, is the Bare Naked Ladies song, Brian Wilson. Yes. Uh, which is uh, quite enjoyable. And I'm a huge, I mean, not, I'm not a huge Bare Naked Ladies fan, but I love their greatest hits record. Um, mm. It's, you know, what's it called? All Their Greatest Hits. It's from 19 whatever to 2001 or something. Mm. And I could listen to that, that album from start to finish. Yeah, their their first album I, I is like, to me is like a classic. I can I can always throw that album on and, and always like listen to it from front to end and n- never have to worry about like, oh, not this song. And yeah, yeah. go to the next track. And going back to the Beach Boys, the, the stuff that I kind of like a little bit more is like the the stuff when they got kind of like weird when they were on like that um oh I forget what the name of the name of the label was but like they were doing like some really weird albums you know like uh the 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 hits from that time period was from uh, the early 70s like Long Promise Road love that song uh tears in the morning from uh sunflower what is the name of the album sunflower and then uh surfs up mm-hmm. what, yes. what was it that, that was like uh surfs up was a uh, pre 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 pet sounds if not or no or, no well yeah think, no wait surfs up is on smile so it was on one of the post smile albums mm. crap <laughs> we're all going to wikipedia now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Some music geeks we are. We don't even know. <laughs> a lot of my music geekdom is because of Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. For the record. So my version of Pet Sounds that I have here in iTunes appears to have a, what I would assume, I guess, is a mono mix and a stereo mix. Yeah. Does anybody the mono have any mix, opinions on that? I think we talked about this with Matt a couple episodes back. Did we? Yeah. Because, yeah, we d- I was harping on about the mono version of Piper at the Gates of Dawn by Pink oh, Floyd. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I might have spaced yeah. out a little there. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I uh, I finally gave the mono – I only had the stereo version, so I finally gave the mono mix a listen a couple weeks ago. And, yeah, it's – it's. I think it's I think it's a little better. The mono version? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it comes first. So all of the, the stereo mix tracks have parenthetical stereo mix after their mm-hmm. song titles, which turns me off. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I. I think I took those off of my version of it. I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> yeah, I usually. You know what I hate on live albums when every song has brackets oh, no. live after every track. Like, now all mine do have stereo on them, but I also have them unchecked in iTunes, so I don't. I can listen to Pet Sounds and then not have to worry about the next one coming up. The stereo mm-hmm. version. Yeah, yeah. I hate. Well, I. It depends because I've got the um, some uh, albums that have live bonus tracks. So I don't mind having necessarily live in brackets on those. But right, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But not but if, if it's, it's a live album. Al- exactly. Yeah, if it's a live album, of course they're all live. Don't Come on. give me that, you know. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. uh, I'd like to go back to cover songs if, if we could, because uh, sure. I've always, I've been of the mindset where I think a cover song can actually tell you more about an artist or a band than what an original can. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, you know, going back to um, you know the, to the Neil Diamond uh, cover, another prime example is uh, Johnny Cash. Um, even um, his version of "Hurt," which really kind of like brought him back, like completely into the like you know the into the you know the eyes of you know of America again. Um, even Trent Reznor said of, of his cover that like, you know, he, he was like recording with, uh, Zach de la Roca and like, you know, they heard it for the first time and they both like sat down and they were like, wow, I can never do that song ever again (laughs) because he just basically made it his own and it was just perfect. It, it fit Johnny like a glove. You know, one thing, one difference with that is. I think I like the uh, the small lyrical change that he did in well Johnny Cash did in the version of Hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Trent Reznor, he's an okay songwriter, but sometimes he can. I think he's trying a little too hard to just be transgressive. So yeah. the line 
I in the original song I wear my crown of shit versus Johnny Cash's I wear my crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. It's just one word, and I'm certainly mm-hmm. not opposed to swearing in on in music or in general. And Johnny Cash has done that uh, many times. Oh yeah, I'm the son of a bitch that named <laughs> was the first thing that pops <laughs> into my mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think changing it to Crown of Thorns, you get the it just makes the the lyrics a little more powerful. The uh, the G- the Jesus metaphor mm-hmm. and a Crown of Shit is just like, mm. well, yeah, you can do I, better. I, I think jo- Johnny just like you know went like well. No, he did. He did all right with these lyrics, but I think I'll do him one better. Yeah, I mean, he's Johnny Cash. He's allowed. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have a a problem with swearing, obviously, but it. I think it can be annoying when it's gratuitous, like in the song. Like, um, something that comes to mind is uh, on Dave Matthews Band's last record uh, during the sci- the song "Time Bomb," uh, which is. Uh, it has its its quiet parts and its more uh, rocking parts, but during one of the quiet parts, it it refers to people as um, fucking nut jobs, and it just it's not it strikes me as unnecessary, and it kind of it's distracting, and I think it's just kind of a cheap sort of shock value. Um, I don't know. I think you can you know do it do without them hmm. in a lot of instances. <clears throat> It depends, because sometimes just the, a well-timed, well-aimed fuck is all you need to just drive a point <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I guess it just depends on context, obviously. Yeah. Let's see. Put that in the show notes. There's a... One of my favorite songs by the band King Missile is a song of theirs called Martin Scorsese, which is sort of about the film director... But it's really about violence and the kind of people who don't quite understand the purpose of violence in films. And um, the album version of it is basically, I don't know, I've never counted how many uses of the word fuck are in there, but there's a lot. Um, It's very over the top. Uh, I actually should probably throw a link in the show notes to the music video, which is... Uh, F word free, <laughs> but it's it's one of those. Uh, it's a very interesting. I I really enjoy. I I think I like the album version better because the added language just gives it a little more intensity that you would otherwise lack. Um, I don't know how, how familiar anyone here is with King Missile, unfortunately, but I'm not. I know a couple of songs, and I probably. I probably know the Martin Scorsese song, and uh, I know the detachable penis, and my love is uh, something. Uh, my heart, my, my heart is a flower. My heart is a flower. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but but uh, but like I I don't know it enough to to really go like oh yeah I know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'll definitely yeah. throw that in the show notes. Um, cool. It totally depends on the context because, like, I just thought that another Dave Matthews Band song called Halloween, um, which is, on the one hand, a much better song than Time Bomb is, but it has uh, an F-bomb in there. And it, for some reason, it works a lot better. I mean, it's probably because Halloween is a much better song and a, and a classic by Dave Matthews Band fan standards. Um, but Halloween is a real, uh, the whole song is a whole F-U to a, a girlfriend that has rejected you uh, rejected your marriage proposal three times. So I thought, I don't know. It has cursing, obviously, you know, has a place in lyrics, but, uh, I think it should be tastefully done. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for example, um, going back to Trent Reznor, I mean, another instance of where, you know, he, he, he puts, you know, the, the F F word, um, the, the song in, uh, wish, you know, I'm the one without a soul. I'm, I'm the one with this big fucking hole there it's it's totally appropriate for for the mood for the music and for the point that he's trying to put a, put across as well too i mean yeah i mean that's an example of where it's like oh yeah that's totally acceptable again context and you can have a good song and a well-written song that uses language like that and you can have a totally poorly written song that is absolutely squeaky clean 
And I think I don't think we have to work hard to find examples of it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but yeah, cover songs, which is why I think we were talking <laughs> oh, yeah. originally. Right, yeah. cover songs. Yeah, it's cover songs. <laughs> Good thing we have that minimize silence button. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always prefer, I really do like cover songs where it's sort of the cover changes the meaning as it were. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of a good cover song. I feel like, uh, you know, being a musician, I appreciate, um, you know, some of my, my guitar playing friends are like, no, we should write original stuff and, and stuff and not learn other people's songs. But on the, at the same time, I mean, learning other people's songs is how you sort of establish your musical identity. You know, as a musician or not as a musician. Um, Even as a music fan. Yeah, as a music fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the bands that I listen to, you know, like I said, with Solitary Man, you know, I discover a lot of new music through bands that I already love doing covers of songs that I haven't heard before. And then I'll go check out that artist and, you know, and fall in love with them. Uh, so covers in general, I think, are a good thing. And I think that, um, you know, Umphreys McGee is a is a big proponent of of cover songs. They do they do amazing covers. Dave Matthews Band does a lot of covers too, and they all are all usually really great renditions. And uh, it it just kind of throws something, you know, if you if you're going to see a band live and you've never seen them before, and they but they do a cover song that you love, uh, you know, it's kind of like a life raft. Um, like seeing Umphreys McGee for the first time is a very overwhelming experience. You know, it's like it's like three hours, two sets of just you know raging jam rock and improvisation and progressive and everything but and it can be a lot to swallow on your first uh first go around that's what she said and um you know but if they you know if they do a cover you know of africa or something that you know everybody knows by heart it uh it's it's just like a throwing a life preserver out there you know and gives you something to hang on to yeah 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 it's in Interesting, uh, because Umphreys McGee is actually, I just remembered, Umphreys McGee is apparently playing the Electric Factory here in Philadelphia tonight. Dude. I can't go. I can't go. Stop what you're doing. (laughs) I saw them at the Electric Factory in 2010, I believe, and it was a great show, probably one of the best Umphreys shows that I've seen, and they actually did the medley from Abbey Road um, from start to finish, which was very awesome. And uh, But the only thing about the Electric Factory show was that I remember the crowd being pretty annoying and not even annoying in like a moshy way because there isn't too much moshing, if any, at, at Umphrey's shows, even though they're, they can be very heavy. Um, but the crowd was like full of like high schoolers with backpacks. It was like three school buses Ooh. had just emptied out in front of the electric factory. I was like, what are you all doing here? And why? Like, you need to remove yourselves from this venue because you're disrupting my enjoyment of, of the rock. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen when I go there uh, next month to see Hot Chip. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm getting old or something, but it was bizarre. No, no, yeah, I think the only thing you'll, you'll experience with the Hot Chip concert is probably a bunch of hipsters. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have to worry. I don't have to go far to find those. <laughs> yeah. Um, Umphreys, Umphreys put out a great album of all cover songs. Actually, it's called Cover It. And uh, they just do. Oh, where is it? Can I pull it up really fast? I should probably just look in my library instead of on the iTunes store. Um, first, um, while you're looking yeah, that but, up, um, the show I was at last week is Pat. Last week, um, the opening band, uh, I think they're called Crozier. I'll have to level check my ticket stub, uh, which is actually right here. Yeah, uh, Crows it rather. Sorry, um, I was really in sort of a. a uh, Opposite example, I was really enjoying them, and then they busted out a, a, a cover of that song, uh, Missing You. What, the John Wade song? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, these guys are pretty good, yeah. They were like, I missed you. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you had me. You had me. And then you, bu- you did that. <laughs> Oh, I I kind of like that song from the babies. Uh, Every time I think of you, but <laughs> confession, confession. But uh, yes, I I I enjoy hearing covers, but it it, it depends. Like you know, like I said, it depends on the situation, and you know who's doing it and everything. Mm-hmm. Like um, a great cover was. Um, the the ministry side project 1000 homo djs 
version of the Black Sabbath so uh, song, Supernaut. And I'm talking about the one with Trent Reznor doing the, the lead vocals on that. So. Hmm. <laughs> Not the one that uh, Al Jorgensen is doing. But um, that, that version is just, like, incredible. It just, like, adds so much power to, you know, to the original. And I wound up liking the original as well, too. But then, you know, Ministry does this whole album of, like, of covers and, like, most of them are just like like retreads of of the one song, uh, Stigmata. You know, they're just doing a stigmatized version of you know all of these mm. covers and stuff like that. And sometimes it, the, the the album like fell flat for me. I did find uh, the Umphreys cover album is called Cover It, and it's only available I think on LiveDownloads.com, and uh, it's just a fantastic and it really evidences their musicianship and their their own music fandom because of how high quality the covers are. And um, I'll just list uh, some of the tracks here. They do Abacab, Cinnamon Girl, Layla, Ophelia, My Old School, Making Flippy Floppy, Africa, Blackwater, Power to Love, Sweet Child of Mine, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, Bloody Well Right, Night Moves, Trench Town Rock, Dr. Feelgood, Waiting Room, Dear Prudence, I Am the Walrus, Mozart, Piano, Sonata, Number 16, and C Major, and Immigrant Song. Damn. Uh, so... It's a, lot yes. of it's a lot of covers, but it's extremely listenable. And they're all live covers, too, uh, mm. live versions. Um, but it's extremely listenable and extremely well worth checking out. And uh, I've got a, a YouTube clip of their uh, a live performance of them doing Making Flippy Floppy. On, uh, nice, nice. And they totally do it justice, too, So which is which is great. Oh, there's a great – speaking of Talking Heads covers, there's a video that was posted on Bling Bling the other day of Amanda Palmer and David Byrne mm. and whoever – some other some band that I think is Mer Mer Amanda Palmer's doing a really intense version of burning down the house. Oh wow! So I'll, I'll definitely have to throw that in the show notes as well. Yeah, Amanda Palmer just recently uh, put out like a record store day uh, vinyl single uh, of two covers. One was uh, Polly, and the um, and the other one was Idiotech. Idiotech, or I don't know if Idiot or whatever. How how you pronounce that Radiohead song, but like um, and with the the Radiohead song, she did it on a ukulele mostly, and that's that's really nice. I guess I'll probably have to make a note of that. <laughs> yeah, I love the ukulele. Yeah, what just speaking of live covers, the one thing I really they might be giants used to do a thing where they would bring a radio out on stage, spin the dial on the radio, and if they found a song, they would. And they come across the song, they'd have the band start covering that song live. Nice. And then I wish I've never seen them do it. I've heard recordings of it, and I, I wish they'd bring that back because that just seems like such a cool, cool thing to watch. Just this band listening to a song and then suddenly trying to catch up and start playing along with it. Mm. And you know, the Day Might Be Giants guys are are incredible musicians too. Yes. Okay. So I guess we're as Andrew said, we're gonna wrap this one up, huh? Okay. I think that's good. Have, yeah. Um, start with you, Jet. Why don't you tell us where we can find you online? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, um, if you want to take a look at some of my comics, albeit probably the old stuff, you can go to uh, webcomicsnation.com uh, slash, uh, I think it's Joe Meyer, one word, J-O-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just Joe Meyer. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter and Tumblr, uh, on Tumblr, I mostly reblog everybody else's stuff. And occasionally I will post in progress uh, stuff that I'm doing, whether it be uh, defacing vinyl or I'm doing comics. And I do that at uh, I am, uh, I A M J O E M E Y E R. And if finally, if you are. You really want to find out what I listen to, and you want to stalk my musical tastes? You can go to last.fm, uh, and my username on last.fm is Eryshe, and that's spelled E-R-Y-S-H-E. Yes, it's uh, one of my crazy little characters there. So you can find out exactly what I listen to when I listen to it, because I scrabble from it right from uh, iTunes. So. You can stalk me if you if you like. <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to thank uh, both you guys uh, and and Matt for having me on the show. And hope I did okay and that uh, I didn't um, 
I don't know. I didn't make it anything too awkward or, or, or whatnot. I did everything okay. Absolutely. Thank you very much for filling in. Absolutely. We're glad to have you. Glad to have you. And yeah, uh, I'm Rich. Uh, you can find me at sandspoint.com, uh, sandspoint on Twitter. I have a Tumblr at breathmint.com. And I'm on la- I'm on last FM too as a as Sandspoint. So I'll have to watch you then. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to uh, friend you, Joe. Uh, I'm on last FM as well, uh, Andrew Marvin, and uh, Twitter at Andrew Marvin. AndrewMarvin.net is my online home, and AndrewMarvin.tumblr is my Tumblr. And you're on last FM too, right? I am on last FM. Yeah, Andrew Marvin is the username. It's last FM, which I can never remember. Last FM slash user slash Andrew Marvin. Yeah. Yeah, usually if you just go to well, last F, uh, last.fm and just type in the uh, the name, you can usually find it. Yeah. So I'm going to have to look up Joe right now. All right, I think that's a show. All right, then. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, guys.